Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wing It F1 podcast. This episode is our Imola Grand Prix, Emilia Romagna Grand Prix review, um, where we talk through our immediate reactions to the race, what we thought of it, and whether we were happy with it, whether we were unhappy with it. Every little minutiae of detail is going to be definitely covered, and we won't forget everything, but we normally do. So anyway, I'm Freddie Coates, and I'm here with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu to run you through what I just said. Um, Adam, how are you? You doing good, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing uh, pretty good. I've finished reporting on the race, and yeah, looking forward to chatting, see what you both thought of it. Nigel, you all right? Yeah, I'm just a bit jealous that Adam's just had a bacon sandwich, let me say, so I, I, wish, I, could, I wish I could have some of it. Yeah, we were <laughs> on a very good the... bacon sandwich been on the zoom call for a few minutes and adam's just been scoffing a bacon sandwich that he said he enjoyed more than the race um and he didn't say that because because it, it was a bad race he said it because the bacon sandwich was amazing so we're sat here kind of jealous um so yeah let's start with you adam on your opinion of that race then he's not as good as bacon yeah well no i think it wasn't wasn't necessary it was more to do with the quality of the bacon sandwich but i didn't think it was a very good race really up until kind of the the Verstappen crash um and then it kind of came alive a bit more but yeah I kind of obviously a lot to do with strategy and tires more than what was actually happening on track I thought um so yeah I think you know it was a it was it was made a good one it was made into a good race by the kind of drama at the end but yeah it was it was, eh. yeah, it was kind of what I feared of the lack of overtaking going into the weekend and it's basically what happened even if the DRS was a bit longer I'm not sure if it would have helped uh, yeah it's just a difficult track to overtake on as it, as it was uh, when even before F1 came here this year it was an okay race probably the worst of the new track or returning track races though I'd say yeah I'd I think yeah it was better than Portimao I preferred it to Portimao personally, um, as a sort of scud whole race kind of thing. From for the, in my opinion, I don't know if that's <coughs> Portimao. Obviously, had the absolute stark chaos of the start, which is amazing. That was brilliant. Um, but then I don't know. Portimao seemed signed, sealed, and delivered quite early on. Whereas with this one, I thought I was I was pleasantly surprised by the strategy, and I was really interested in Hamilton's overcut because. He was sort of flickering between the 27, 28 second pit stop margin, which is really interesting to see whether he would come out splitting Bottas and Verstappen ahead of Bottas um, or behind Verstappen. And that was constantly changing. And then there was always, it seemed a few times to be the threat of Verstappen getting past Bottas to essentially, if Mercedes needed to gamble on Bottas's defense, because if Verstappen had got past um, and had a clean run to the finish, then he would have been ahead of Hamilton then from Hamilton's pit yeah. stop. And that, there, was, there was a lot of balls still rolling in play. And I found that very interesting. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, so, the VSC made it out, brought that on a bit early, but that's probably what would have happened anyway, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think, to be fair, those, oh, sorry, Adam, to, to be fair, those 10 laps where Hamilton was trying to get a gap, that was pretty intense. And he, he was getting faster and faster to try and... Getting a 27, 27 and a half seconds indeed is. Uh, who knows what would have happened if Bottas didn't have the four damage or if Verstappen could have got past. And I was thinking we might get a repeat of the 2005 or 2006 race with, with Hamilton, the faster driver, coming out behind and then trying to make an overtake. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But yeah, those laps in the pit stop phase, in the pit stop phases, were pretty intense, which is something I enjoyed. Yeah, I think I'd put it. I'd probably put it as better than Portimao, just to wrap up that one. And yeah, I think um, you know, I, I think the the VSD. It was a shame, really, that it happened and kind of you know that robbed us of a bit more drama of whether Hamilton would come out, um, you know, in front of Bottas or it looked like he would, but kind of whereabouts in relation to Bottas, he would come out, but that kind of we got repaid in that by the safety car at the end. So, yes, it's all equal. Yeah, it, it's, it's all swings and roundabouts at the end. Um, but Hamilton's win, Bottas' second place, resulted in 
the Constructors' Championship for Mercedes. It was a foregone conclusion going into this race that they would win it, I think. They needed a fourth place, and the team that has taken pole at every Grand Prix and has won all but two this year, not getting a fourth-place finish is unlikely. It, stranger things have happened, but it's unlikely. But this is an amazing achievement for them, isn't it? This is the, this is the record. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. So seven titles in a row. I mean, what? it's like a football team or a Premier League team winning seven Premier League titles in a row. It just doesn't happen. Hmm. It's just phenomenal uh, to, to react to the rule changes and everything that's thrown out into every single member of the team doing their bit to develop the car and tune it. And then, of, of course, the drivers are the cherry on top of the cake so deliver on the track it's just a phenomenal achievement and it, it will probably probably be quite a long time before it, it's broken especially if Mercedes can go on to win an eight night or even tenth title in a row it's just I, I don't think words can justify the effort that's put in behind the scenes to to do this it's just unbelievable well that that's helpful if we're doing a podcast um, <laughs> uh, yeah it's I think kind of Nigel alluded to there the possibly the the most incredible thing is they're probably going to win an eighth next year seems very unlikely that they won't and you know obviously no one's going to discount them winning more kind of from from that point as well um but yeah just just the you know consistency of, of having every every element of the team pulling pulling in the right direction at all times, which is something that, you know, no other team on the grid is has managed to do kind of over that over that time. It's just, you know, absolutely an incredible achievement. Do you think it's a bigger achievement than Hamilton's ninety two wins? Yeah, personally. Yeah, this is a team working at full pelt. I think I go yeah as well. Yeah, it's a team working at full pelt for the best part of a decade. Um at the best it can do. And I think, basically, yeah, like you say, they're likely to win an eighth coming from this. And I wouldn't be surprised if they win a ninth or tenth coming up with the regulation change, considering how they've done in previous regulation changes too. So it's going to be a whole... For this to be broken, this record's going to take up 10 years of the lives of everyone. To, to be broken it's, it's it's seemingly impossible to be broken and I think that's what they've done with this record is they've put it at the heady heights that Schumacher's record felt like it was two or three years ago and we're not going to be able it's, it's going to I think it's unbelievable for it to be broken until it happens and I wouldn't be surprised if we're old and grey before it does happen uh-huh. uh I've got some news as well. I've just seen that Total Wolf has confirmed that they will keep the black livery for next year. So anyone who's not watching mm. F1 this year because Mercedes has got a black livery, we'll see you in 2022 when they go back to silver, as Total Wolf says. <laughs> Biting talk. I love it. They've done, <laughs> they've done very well with all of, their, um, all of their Black Lives Matter and BLM movement have Mercedes. And I think, yeah, to, to renege on that would be a bit difficult for them anyway. Um, I think, yeah. Nice little, nice, nice little throwback to our first podcast. Yeah, our first yeah, podcast. Yeah, we recorded on the day they announced the Black yeah. in Austria. Yeah. Go that, check it out, guys. The Genesis. Yeah. We thought Ferrari were good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, bringing it back to the race, Bottas, um, he came second in the end. He started on pole. He led from the start. Um, and led until the VSC, led until he pitted at response to Verstappen. Um, Bottas had floor damage for the majority of the race. He pitted, he got it from lap two from when Vettel had um, sent one up the inside of uh, Tosa on Magnussen, which spun him round on the first lap. And Mercedes have actually taken a picture of this and put it on uh, their Twitter account of the chunk of Ferrari front wing that was indented into Bottas' car. No wonder he was losing time. Yeah, Adams held up a a ring binder, and it's basically the size of that. Um, was a, a big chunk of front wing. The Vettel was driving forty laps without, or, well, the whole race without. Or they didn't change his front wing when he pitted, and also 
in Bottas's car. So no wonder he was making mistakes. Do we think um, if the Bottas didn't have the the damage, do we think he would have waltzed away from Verstappen? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, I do think that because I think Mercedes did have the faster car by probably half a second or so this weekend, and without the full damage, it would have been interesting to see if you would have beat Hamilton as well, even with the VFC, because I think with the VFC, I think didn't it go off when Hamilton was like halfway through the pit lanes, or he didn't gain the full ten seconds or however much. Yeah, it was only so, five, four and a half seconds or so when he came yeah, out. Yeah, so. If Bottas didn't have that damage, he could have still won the race. So he's a bit unlucky in that respect. I think he said he tried to avoid it by going uh, in the mid- in, by, by putting the car in the middle to, so he didn't get a puncture because he saw it late. But because something that big, you can't, there's not much you can do really. Yeah. I think, yeah, he was the first car to actually get to the, to the damage yeah. and he. Was the um, the only car to actually be uh, struck by it and damaged by the damage? Um, there was a few little um, skirmishes on lap one that left a bit of carbon fiber decked around. We had a chunk of Stroll's front wing basically intact, just sat there as if it, if it, if, as if it had been placed at the exit of Tamburello. Um, they seemed to be a little bit slow on getting to it. Do we think they just didn't want to cancel the race straight away? Well, the race. Right. So do you think they needed a, 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 like a safety car or something? Bring out oh, a safety well, car right. Oh, right. Or a VSC. <laughs> um, they managed uh, to get the chunk of stroll, but they obviously didn't didn't spot or didn't get to the chunk of Vettel before it struck its damage. You threw me off with this question, Freddie. I don't really know what to answer. Yes, they should have got there faster. <laughs> I, I think, like, with, on the on the safety car point, there's been quite a few races off the top of my head where they've kind of stopped it after one lap or maybe I mean Magello is the one that springs to mind straight off and they did that twice mm. um well there was from the start and then the safety car restart where they called kind of a another I think a red flag kind of immediately mm. after the restart so you know I don't think it was too much of a factor really for I don't think it needed a red flag I think but... it increases drama yeah yeah, I think I think maybe a, I, I I was surprised there wasn't an immediate VSC for it. Is my 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 perspective oh. on that? Um, <clears throat> Verstappen got into second at the start. Let's talk about him for a bit. He got into second at the start, even though he had a bit of wheel spin as well. Hamilton just basically lit it lit up the tires a bit. There was a bit of um, painted over uh, track that did not help his launch, and that put him back in the pack and he was actually fighting Gasly and Ricardo, who were trying to launch themselves into a podium <coughs> position from the start and try and wreck the Mercedes race because that's all they can really do these days. If they can wreck a Mercedes race then they can just have a giggle for half a lap. Um, but Verstappen got into second, fighting with Bottas. He eventually got passed after Bottas made a mistake into Rivazza one, made a few mistakes into Rivazza one and gave Verstappen a few sniffs. But Verstappen eventually, eventually was able to drag past. Um, but he had a fairly strange exit to the race. There was a tyre failure um, on quite young, hard tyres going into Villeneuve. And he was spun round into the gravel and nearly back onto the track. Do you guys have anything to say about that? Do you think it was just a tyre failure? I wonder if... He was pushing hard, wasn't he, behind Bossas? I wonder if he was maybe attacking the curbs too much. And some of the curbs at him were quite brutal. Mm. So I wonder if that could be. That's the only thing I can think of. It was very, very strange, reminiscent of Kimi Raikkonen in 2005 at the Nürburgring, the type of area we just spun. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of that caused the accident. But other than that, I think Verstappen did well to take advantage of Bottas's troubles. Uh, yet again, and yeah, it's just these these little things are what cost uh, is what's costing Red Bull because they're, they're having to push and Verstappen's having to push at his absolute maximum just to try and get on level terms. Whereas Mercedes, they can always not cruise, but they can go ninety five percent rather than the full hundred percent. So yeah, yeah, I think just kind of one one to watch if anything comes out of it, but. You know, watch this space, I think. 
yeah, watch this space. Uh, good point to make because it was a pretty scary tire failure. Um, mm. It completely ripped off the rim. I was, I was, I was um, conscious of it at the time. I thought something had come off the car to do that. I thought you'd yeah. have to have had a cut or gone over, like you say, either a really sharp bit of curb. But there's um, the particular bit, very anti alta, the chicane at the top of the hill in the middle of the track, where they basically just go straight over a sausage curb as part of the track. And that's the racing line. I assumed that that was how Bottas got floor damage, actually. I didn't think he had picked up a bit of uh, debris. So I, I was expecting this to be more of an attritional track in the way that Austria sometimes is, where you, you see cars just accidentally touch a curb and their suspension cripple and they're off into the gravel. But I'm surprised we didn't have more uh, reliability issues in terms of the structure of the car. But I suppose they're, they're built pretty strongly, these these expensive racing cars. Um, we did see a few other retirements. Ocon and Gasly retired. Gasly was the first retirement, but we kind of expected that one. I, I did. I kind of expected that one because um, he had power unit issues on the grid. Um, but Alpha Tauri have had a phenomenal weekend. It was a bit of a heartbreak, I thought, even when he pulled into the pits, even if it was expected. What did you think of Gasly's performance over the weekend? Adam. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, it it was it was fantastic. You know, obviously there's there's the the factors that they've been there, you know, before for the filming and and all of that. But um, but yeah, he he was he was just flawless, really, for up to this engine packed up or his was it uh, water pressure, water temperature uh, issue. Um, let's I think, assume it was. I think it was, water, I think it was water pressure. Yeah, um, he he got squeezed out a bit at the start which was a disappointment although you know I did think with Verstappen and Ricardo kind of around him it would be quite difficult to you know kind of hold position or you know make much ground from the start but yeah he's just had had yet another really strong weekend and Red Bull have said that they're not looking at him for the Alpha Tower uh, for for the Red Bull seat um and you know I, I don't know whether that makes it easier in a sense because he's not he's not got that on his mind it's just you know he's got to go out and get the best result he can every race and you know try and shelf himself to other other suitors yeah i think he is being courted by a few other other teams perhaps for 2022 or um and beyond because he's he's been the driver of the season for me and i think it's it was just such a shame that he wasn't able to perform on the level today because he could well have got a a podium if if things had transpired pretty well he would definitely would have been in the fight for that Kvyat his teammate finished fourth at the end of the race after a um, late gamble on softs paying off he, he put in a few gutsy moves one particular one around the outside of Piratella on Charles Leclerc um, Nigel what do you think about Alpha Tari this weekend Kvyat performing well and in the race and Gasly obviously as Adam said being flawless yeah, it could have been third and fifth for Alpha Tauri this weekend on, on pure pace as well. And, uh, it was incredible. And I think the testing uh, they had earlier this year, that probably helped with just one practice session. Looks like. But Danny Kafiat in those last 10 laps, so five laps after the safety car, was on fire. Some of the overtakes he pulled <laughs> off were very, very brave on such a, such a, on such a track which had to be committed on, on most of the corners. It was phenomenal stuff, and uh, it was good to see as well because I think Kvyat's had a few tricky races recently, so he's still fighting there. He's still making the most of of any chances he, he's getting as well. And I think the Alpha Tauri, what what's really good about it is it looks like a, it looks like a comfortable car to drive for Gazi and, and Kvyat, and I think these with these slightly tougher tracks that we've seen, it might be helping them a bit with the you know with, with Imolo having uh some awkward, awkward curbs and grass and gravel and stuff. Uh I think that's what's what's helping them. So yeah, another great weekend for Alpha Tauri. The the podium the final podium place did eventually go to Daniel Ricardo picking up another another bit of silverware for Renault um after Verstappen uh hunkered it into the gravel with his tyre failure. Um, Daniel Ricciardo, another podium, did the shoey this time. 
Uh, do you think, yeah, solid drive from him? I guess that's all you can really say. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it comes down, I think, to Perez kind of making the decision to slide out of the third place at the safety car, which I'm sure we'll touch on in more depth later. But yeah, you know, it's, at the end of the day, someone's got to be there to pick up the pieces, and Ricardo was that person. And it, it's, I think, as you've said, before Freddie, that you know it's nice because Renault are one of the most depressing teams when <laughs> they're not doing well. Then you know it's nice for them, you know, to have some some optimism about them. Yeah, I don't really know what more to say. We're kind of repeating what we say after every race. Ricardo, uh, but again, take take the podium. Yeah, I don't really know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> Ocon did look like he was on the pace quite early on of Ricardo, but then at, in qualifying, Ricardo just pulled out of the bag, and Ocon, I, uh, I think, I don't know if he had any issues where he had some track limits abuse or not, but he didn't get out of Q two, which was a bit of a surprise actually, because this is a track you'd expect to have suited Renault. Um, in the practice session, Ricardo and Ocon were neck and neck pretty much on times, and I think they were fifth and sixth in on the sheets. So they, they had a fast car, and it was a shame for Ocon that his qualifying didn't work out because that sort of marred him in the midfield. And then he just basically lost power by the looks and pulled up on the, on the back straight in the middle of the laps. So not the most... In- I mean, an encouraging weekend for Ocon, but no reward for it, unfortunately. The quali- when it mattered, it didn't really work in qualifying, um, which is a bit of a shame. Do we, do we think there's anything to add to that? I think it's just... It's I think pulled out of the bag again. I think like we just, the problem this weekend was trap position, so a bad qualifying really puts you back because you're not really able to come back in the races, and that's what that's the problem Ocon had as well as his other gate box and whatever happened to him. Uh, yeah, I'm not not doing awfully as Ocon. I think he's just not doing as well as people expected to win into the season, and I think he's he's doing just about enough to you know deserve to stay on the grid and, and things like that. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult because he had such high expectations coming back in this year, obviously, after the year at Force India and then, you know, highly touted by Mercedes and he could have been at Mercedes this year, which would be quite strange to <laughs> think about. But, yeah, I, th- I think it's because he was so highly touted and also because with Ricardo moving on, he's, you know, the the future of the team in, in theory or kind of when, you know, he, he was thought to be the driver that they build around um, and he's not really looking like that so far this season. You know, he's kind of doing enough that, you know, they're not going to try and kick him out. But, yeah, yeah, I think there just needs to be some improvement and it's not going to get any easier next year. He needs to be on top of the car for next year because Alonso's coming in. Yeah, he's, he's definitely one to watch when we get into 2021. And Alonso's been loitering around Renault like there's no tomorrow as well. He's definitely starting the teammate games, I, I'd, I'd imagine. He, he has been, he is a driver that's of, it's for himself as, as Alonso. And I don't expect that to change, even though he has competed in, in World Endurance Championship and Dakar, where he has at least seen how you have to work as a team. I don't think he's going to come into Formula One and shake off any of his old tricks. I reckon they'll be straight back in. Um, the Winging It F1 Podcast Strategy Award today, I think, should go to Racing Point for their extreme overcut of pretty much everyone apart from the top three with Sergio Perez. You already mentioned track position, Nigel, being so important. They went long and were able to use the track position of Kevin Magnussen going long and avoiding his first stint, extending his first stint, didn't avoid it, he still did it, um, and using that to hold up the rivals. And Perez ended up in a net best of the rest position um, coming into the closing stages. Do we think? Yeah. Brilliant. It's a shame. And, and, yeah, what happened afterwards though? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> that's the issue. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure. For, for my strategy of all, which doesn't actually <laughs> exist, but... It's like know, the ashes. It's like a little I'd, 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 I'd have rescinded it, really. Um, after that, 
yeah, he, I mean, you know, they did exceptionally well. I picked him out after after Saturday as a driver to watch because he was able to, you know, mix up the strategy mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and it just felt like, you know, day for a pair of special. And he could have had a podium his first of the year. But, yeah, they they pitted at the end, you know, thinking that they'd be able to come back on fresh tyres and, and work through. And you can see why they did, because there's been, you know, several races. I guess Monza is one that springs to mind where there's, you know, the drivers stick at the front on worse tyres and end up just getting completely swamped. Um, but in the end, that didn't happen. I think the Russell crash extending the safety car period for a bit longer, decreasing the number of laps that he'd have to fight back through didn't help him either. Um, but yeah, no, another good drive for Perez. It's just a shame that they kind of, you know, lost, they didn't get all the potential they could have at the end. Yeah, going long in modern F1, going long in the first, it's a really <laughs> good thing if, if you're able to do it and you don't lose too much time. Hamilton, Hamilton and Perez are the, arguably the two best drivers, but doing this and managing their tyres over a 30, 40 lap stint and getting the most out of them because if there is a virtual safety car or a safety car, you can gain 10 seconds from that if others are pitted. You can keep your tyres alive and not any rivals are in traffic after they've pitted and gain time as well. So it's a really handy skill to have, which is what Perez was able to do. It's just a shame, as, as Adam has pointed out, that uh, Mason Point got the wrong strategy when it mattered most. Because, I mean, there was, it was happened about 50 laps into the race into the first safety car, or the only safety car, and yeah, we didn't really see too that. much. We didn't see too much overtaking, so not really, not too sure what Racing Point were thinking, really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I um, think it. Oh, um, if if they'd if Stroll had been in the running, kind of you know around that group, then I think that would have helped them out because they'd have been able to split split strategy on um, on that. But obviously, he he wasn't after the first lap. Um, yeah, sorry, Freddie. Uh, yeah, Perez said on Sky Sports at the end of it, looking at it, it didn't make sense at the time. The call was very late, but it's always easy to take the right decision after the race. So hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, yeah, he says the team are very disappointed and it was the wrong call. Um, and we basically gave the podium to Ricardo. And yeah, he's, it was a great idea at first. The whole first stint thing worked really well, obviously. Um, but it was thrown away, basically, unfortunately, for them. Um, I mean, they, they did get their only podium of the year through Lance Stroll kind of going long, long at Monza and then not even having to pit. Got completely away with it because of the red flag. So. But then they missed out on winning that race, which Lance Stroll should have won, really. Yes, but everyone was celebrating the podium. Yeah, happy for the Gasly, aren't you? No, I'm sorry. If there's a race winning opportunity, we don't win. Once in a while, there's already, already a race winning opportunity. <laughs> we, we've discussed this on the Monza podcast, so go and check that out on our backlog. Lance Stroll's of, overrated. That's all. Uh, back catalog. Well, that's going to be another um, episode, isn't it? <laughs> overrated yeah. Lance Stroll. That's, well that's, that's a hot take. Everyone always thinks Lance Stroll's underrated. Yeah, exactly. Because they think he's do underrated. They? I think he's overrated. Yeah, they do. Thanks. I don't. I don't know why. I really Adam, he just exists. Um, he's just oh, yeah. Stroll again happening. I think he's. I think he's rated accurately. But then Nigel <laughs> thinks everyone's overrated. So. Fifteen drives on the grid are overrated, and then the the other five are fulfilling their potential at the moment. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Lance Stroll did finish thirteenth in the end. He um, he was caught up in the melee at the start, and obviously lost half his front wing, and that sort of spelled out the rest of the race for him. Really, didn't really make any impression on anything. That's that's all we really have to say on yeah. Lance Stroll, I think. Um, not, much, not much of a conversation point. <laughs> I think we've exhausted the Lance Stroll conversation starters. Oh, okay. we have actually. Go no, on, I don't think we start have. a Lance Stroll conversation. I think, I think we have on this race, but not <laughs> the wider <laughs> night, wider topics of Lance Stroll. Yeah. The wider it's topics of that, Lance Stroll. It's like the not, curious case not, of Benjamin Button. I mean, it's not one that you'll like walk into bar at the moment and go oh yeah did you hear about Lance Stroll's Emilia Romagna race no you'll never guess what happened 
<laughs> yeah, he had a, you know, had a bad first lap and then was out of the running from them, really. You know, not not loads to stay on it, I don't think. But I've got an image of you doing that now, Adam, just going into a bar and just speaking to someone. You get a glass at one end of the bar and you roll it down the bar to them and they catch it and they look over at you, don't know who you are, and you're like, hey, did you hear about Lance Stroll's Amelia Romagnan Grand Prix? I don't know. I'll post it note on with like a Canadian flag on the glass and drinks it, <laughs> sees it. Yeah. One thing to say about Perez, he did he did try hard on those soft tyres and he put a barnstormer of a move around the outside of Alex Albon into Villeneuve, even though he was on fresh soft to his old hards. It's still a ballsy ass move from Perez there. It was it took Alex Albon by surprise so much that he spun out the race. <laughs> Wow! Oh my God! I just I may as well give up with his thoughts, and he spun. Um, we're not going to go into Albon because we always go into Albon and into the topic of Albon. And you wouldn't yeah. have to if you weren't so bad. I mean, he won't. This one is worst. This one is worst race. He, he was bottled up in the pack, but you know he was on for a potential podium at the end until he was so shocked by Perez. Podium? He, he lost He yeah. lost it by a few hundredths what? in qualifying, to be honest. He was a few hundredths <laughs> behind Ricardo and a tenth behind Gasly. If he had... He, yeah, he should have been a tenth or two up and his track limits abuse was off the scale. It seemed literally, like, oh, there's Alex Albon. What, has he had a lap time deleted? Yes. A lap time deleted? Yes. Oh, is Alex Albon upset? Yes, he's had his lap time deleted, obviously, because he couldn't set a lap. Without he it. has a stonking Q2 final run, though. He actually beat, beat Verstappen. Pressure on. Went round. You know, so that oh, was happening. Yeah, on his soft tyres and Verstappen's medium. That was, that was nice for him. Yeah. yeah, he can take a picture of that and put it on his wall because it's never happening again. I'm not saying that. I'm not I'm, I've yeah. been converted mostly by Nigel, to be honest, to this Alex Albon um, <laughs> anti-Alex Albon parade. I think, I think you've been promoted to leader based on <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to have a good lap ever again. Yeah. So he should just take this one and enjoy it because that's that. That's it, Alex. <laughs> Every lap you ever have in the future of your F1 career, you're just going to crash. Charles Leclerc had a good race. Um, it seems to be part and parcel now. Maybe that Ferrari's got a bit of pace in it. But fifth place for, for Leclerc, holding off a charging Perez at the end. Not bad. Very good. Yep. Again, Not like... Bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he's having kind of quiet races. You know, it's not... Mm. There's not many where, you know, he, he fills up the, you know, TV coverage... Um, you know, they're all like, always focusing on whichever battle he's in. You know, he just kind of gets his nose into clear air in a good position and just, you know, keeps pounding in the laps and consistency. And I, I can't think of many errors that he's made this season. It, You know, that's kind of, I think that's probably his biggest build on from last year. Yeah. Um, is, you know, there's, there's certainly no times where he's kind of, I, I guess there, there was Austria too, where he, yeah. He plows into the back Vettel. of everyone, yeah. But there's been, I, I can't think of anywhere he's kind of been in a top five position and lost it, you know, through through a driver error. He's just, yeah, he's, as we've said, he, you know, we think it's, I think me and Nigel thought it was better this season than last season. And, you know, as long as, as long as he keeps doing this, then, you know, it, it takes all the pressure off him and onto Ferrari. You say you can't think of a, a time when he's done a mistake when he's been in the top five. Yeah, over this what season. About, what about Brazil? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, and I don't think Brazil was his fault either. But um, yeah, do yeah, I. This, no, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, this this season, I think that's something he's really built on. Mm, yeah, the, the the need for perfection in the midfield is so much more than it seems to be at the the um the top of the field when you're in a car that's where, where it was last year that was separated quite a lot um then you can afford to have a lock up here and there but when you're in the midfield you've got cars all around you can't lose a tenth in qualifying and 
otherwise you're two rows back. And Leclerc's got that nailed. He's absolutely covered with um, with a, with midfield driving. And yeah, I think you're right. His race performances and his sheer pace he's able to get out of that car is ridiculous. Yeah, he could have even been slightly better today, I think. I think in the first stint, he was gaining on Ricardo uh, before they were pitting, mm. but then they responded to Ricardo. So perhaps he could have overcut him because it looks like he, he was just about suddenly to have to pace on, on Ricardo. Uh, and he did well to hold on to fifth as well with Perez all over him. I thought he was, he, I thought he was going to be a sitting duck, especially with the last with the lack of straight line speed in the Ferrari engine. So he did really well to hold on to that. Uh, yeah, good weekend. From the I think, I think it's interesting. This has got to be one one of the strongest midfields mm. that we've had. You know, in terms of. You, you know, you, you sometimes get drivers, you know, like Vettel in terms of world champions that are kind of, you know, lower down now. But having Leclerc and Ricardo, you know, kind of two, especially Leclerc, you know, really young driver just at the start of his F1 journey, kind of fighting through the midfield. And, you know, you had that, you know, you've got Gasly there, obviously, Ricardo, as we've mentioned, Perez is always there. The two McLaren boys. Alonso. Yeah, mm. uh, album. So, yeah, it's um, having, <laughs> having your sorry, that was just instinct. Having, um, yeah, but have, kind of, it's it's just a strong field, and that's great to watch. That's yeah, one of the things giving that excites, us great. Back. That's one of the things that excites me most about the driver lineups we've got coming up, because and particularly for twenty twenty two with the regulation mm. change, because that could hopefully provide a bit more parity. Um, with the competition, because then you've got Hamilton hopefully staying at Mercedes. Uh, you've got Leclerc at Ferrari. You've got Verstappen at Red Bull. You've got Ricardo going to McLaren. You've got Alonso coming in for Alpine. And so that's five, you know, teams which have got a lot behind them um, and a lot of good engineers back at base, um, all with a very, very good lead driver. You've got Vettel going to Aston Martin. Hopefully he can bring it back as well and give a lead there. Um, um, clutching at straws and it is a bit of a fingers crossed for that rather than basing it on his recent form but anyway um, and then you've got George Russell staying at Williams who we'll get on to but he's, he's a good little handy driver so you've got a team leader pretty much everywhere and yeah, I will say that even though I do have a go at quite a lot of the grid this is a very high quality F1 field at the moment probably one really of the is. highest quality mm field this century probably there's so much talent in there so much so much I don't, I don't know what it is they, they, they really have a good go especially in the midfield they, when, when there's a chance they're, they're really the, the best of what the best of what the drivers have comes out when the pressure's on I think that's fantastic to see and they've put on a great show as well even, even at Imola on Sunday when there wasn't it wasn't the most exciting race. There were still some incredible, brave overtakes in, the, in, those, in those last five, five to ten laps, which, which we might not, not have had, say, I don't know, four or five years ago with the field that we had then. There's no Maldonados. There's no Harry Antos. Um, there's no sort of... Tender guard. Or is that? Mm. Yeah, and th- I think that's also due to the smaller, you know, there's less teams less absolute backmarkers for kind of to give jobs to those drivers. Uh, the less we say about um, the rumours about Nikita Mazepan, I think the better then. Um, moving on to the Alfa Romeo Russia's team. next world champion. <laughs> Russia's next world champion, did you say? Yeah. I think he's <laughs> underrated. <laughs> Oh, we'll have a Mazapan debate at some point, I think, because he'll be announced in a month, I reckon. Um, Alfa Romeo, let's move on. Um, Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi both finishing the points. Ninth for Raikkonen, 10th for Giovinazzi. Good. Um, on a weekend where they celebrated 110 years of Alfa Romeo. Um, not bad at all. I mean, Raikkonen played the Perez strategy card pretty well and um, didn't pit at the end, I don't think. He went on even longer and went on for the softs in the first place. So he was able to hold on to those points. And Tony Giovinazzi had a crap qualifying, starting 20th, but was 14th at the end of lap one yeah. and finishing the points. So 
hats off where it's due, I think, to this team. I think yeah. the I think we'd have to flip it and call call it the Raikkonen strategy. You know, I'd, I'd call it that. And yeah, Paris did yeah. the Raikkonen strategy, even Hamilton. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it was, uh, in, in some ways, it could have been even better had he, you know, stayed out a few more laps in the safety car. You know, there, there could have been a yeah. spectacular result there. But, you know, even <laughs> as it Imagine. was, you know, some way, in, in some ways it makes it, you know, more of a genuine result that he did pit and you know they still got ninth and tenth on you know genuine genuine race pace obviously helped out by a few retirements or mistakes at the end but you know you as as we say you've got to be there to pick up those pieces and some teams aren't and you know they've they've been able to do that and yeah it Giovinazzi you know must have been watching a lot of tape from Raikkonen's start at the Nürburgring and managed to you know pull off a similar escapade yeah, yeah Giovinazzi had had to work for it as well. He had Latifi actually scrapping with him for the points as well at the last at the last few laps. Ooh. Latifi did finish um, about six or seven tenths off Giovinazzi at the end, and that's close enough probably to get a good DRS run for a pass if Giovinazzi's not got it from Raikkonen, which he didn't. He was four seconds behind, so um it Giovinazzi did have to work for it and I think yeah I think they've both done pretty well I think you're right Adam they're the ones who nailed the strategy and were there to pick up the pieces where others weren't and namely the other who wasn't there to pick up the pieces was a certain Mr George Russell who has had a very interesting weekend he was confirmed again for Williams in 2021 on Friday um Despite his contract being there, there have been obvious rumours that Sergio Perez is going there. Um, we do have um, we do have a lot to say about him, I think, because he did have a bit of a scuffle when he lost it under the safety car and crashed into the wall. Yeah, I feel sorry for him. I actually do. It's just it's one of the worst things that keep that you can do as an F one driver. Just and making an error like that behind the safety car, just lift up the rear tyres, they're a bit cold, and then went straight into the wall, unfortunately. It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back, because this will be a, a really good test of his character and, and how he is as a driver. If he can come back and still perform really well, then I think that, that's a really good sign, because sometimes drivers will make a big mistake like that, and they won't really recover from it. Or they, won't, or they won't get back to how they were. So it's a big test for George, George Russell now. Yeah, I think, you know, it was, it, it, it's not so much, it doesn't feel like he, he, lost, he lost a definite point scoring finish. Because I think, you know, it still would have been difficult at the end to hold off. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't kind of view it as, you know, a huge. You know, a hugely significant mistake. I think it's just another, another chance at points. You know, it's kind of the cumulative effect of that. You know, it's another chance that he's um, that he's lost. But I, I've no doubt that he'll be able to bounce back from it. You know, he seemed very down after the race, but he's got you know two week turnarounds, and you know, just to be in that position, he had an outstanding qualifying as well. Um, you know, it's another just solid, really solid weekend. From him, can't imagine. You know, he's one of the most it underrated. Quite a drivers. big error, though. What do you think? It was a big. He was. Yeah. The way yeah, he lifted it up, it was very. There's no Ericsson either. There was no Ericsson. Ericsson put a tweet out saying, <laughs> "Where was my location? Oh, it's America." Um, citing the Ericsson hit us line from Grosjean's engineer at Baku 2017. I want to say, um, maybe 18. Um, 18. 18. Cool. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it was a silly mistake and it's a bit of a shame for him because it, it is a blot on his copybook when you think about it. It was a pretty much, if, if things had played out as they did, album spinning and so on, that's a ninth place finish for him. And I think, yeah, maybe Kimi Raikkonen would have got past him. I don't think Giovinazzi would have done because Kimi Raikkonen would have been on soft tyres. So that's, that's then a 10th place gone. Um, Last time, George Russell was running in 10th place pretty legitimately in Hockenheim in 2019. He ran wide and let his teammate by. 
And it's a under Magello. Magello is he's running in the points for a long time. You're right, and he was there up until the last restart. I think. On the last restart, that was aided by the um, lapped cars being allowed to unlap themselves and essentially do a formation lap when everyone else couldn't um, to heat up their tyres, which is a an, an easier one for him to avoid the the blame for. But it is a it's another mo another mistake that cost. Williams points and it's just a shame because we know there's a driver in there we know there's a driver in there who deserves points we know there's a driver in there who does, did not deserve to have any rumours about his contract at all the rumours that should be there should be are they going to sign him for another year not is he going to be off the grid because he's a phenomenal driver Fernando Alonso said in an interview that he's the driver who's most impressed him and mm. people Ed Straws written a number of articles comparing George Russell to Alonso in his early careers where he just appeared fantastic, and if he gets in a good car, he will be, he will be amazing. And unfortunately, it's just missed out. And it's, it's like the Hulkenberg podium curse, where when Hulkenberg, oh, he's on for a podium, oh, there's a little mistake, and it's that kind of thing. And it's, it's sad. I think we're all just a bit sad because we need yeah. it. I don't think it defines him in the same way though, because there's, I don't think there's been yeah, too many year two for him. Yeah, there's, there's not been too many off the top of my head where he has kind of lost it based on his error. This is the biggest one that stands out. And yes, you know, it is a huge mistake and one that he shouldn't be making and will probably haunt him until he does get that that point finish, which Mm. is really tough. But, you know, I think it's it's not on the same level. Um, It does feel like a matter of time, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And he's still doing a, a very good job. Yes, I do think he's slightly vulnerable in the races, but we haven't truly seen it because of the car he has. But there's no doubt that his natural speed is, is exceptionally good. I, I can't wait to see him in a, in a better car in the future. Hmm. Same. Those points will be all the more sweet when he does get them in a better car in the future. And who knows, maybe there's still chances coming up this year. I wouldn't put it past. Yeah, hopefully next year with Williams. Hopefully next year with Williams. That's a good, that's a good point, yeah. We want Williams to do well. Um, he needs to get a win. Just his first race where he scored points. He just wins <laughs> it and gets the past his lap. If we have a Braun story, then maybe. But yeah. um, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a bit more unlikely that would be the case. But who knows? Hamilton still hasn't signed a contract. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> who has signed a contract in the two Alfa Romeo drivers who you mentioned earlier, Kimi Raikkonen and Giovinazzi staying for another year. Um, based on that performance, I guess it's from both drivers. They're solid and dependable, I guess, is what we're going for. That's the, is that the PR line? Uh, I'm not pleased PR with it. Line. Not say average and unexciting un- would be my I'd, bit. I don't... <laughs> I really, if Mick Schumacher had had the choice, I I really don't know if he did. If he had the choice of Alpha and Haas, I don't know why he's gone with Haas. But I, this is sorry, going off. I, personally, for me, it should have been Raikkonen and, and Schumacher at Alpha Romeo next. I think one of the drivers, even that's in Raikkonen, should have stayed on. But keeping both of them, I'm I'm really not sure that's the way forward because they both. I think I think Raikkonen has done a good job. I've not really. I don't think Giovinazzi's done anything too special this year. And he has had a couple of seasons now to prove his worth. And for me, I don't think he's done enough. Uh, and I'd rather see someone like Mick Schumacher get a chance. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not... I, I don't know. I'm just, I just don't think it's the best choice that they could have made. It, it kind of feels like, where is this going? Like, mm. it... Yeah. Is are they hoping that Giovinazzi just kind of transforms into, you know, because uh, because at the moment I don't think any other team midfield team would pick him up. So are they just kind of hope, hoping he transforms to a driver of that level, or you know, is is it still Ferrari that you know is the end goal? I don't think so. And obviously with Raikkonen, it yes, he's he's dependable, but. You know, he's not. He's, he's a salary driver. He's they're paying Raikkonen to be there. Um, yeah, he, and he's, he's, he's not exceptionally fat. Hmm. 
it seems to be like Sorry. no, that's all right. The Alfa Romeo um, contract with Sauber has been renewed for 2021, which I was I kind of assumed it was a it was just Alfa Romeo now, not Alfa Romeo Sauber still really. So it's still really the Sauber team, just with a different name. So I think I have a, because this announcement has come with it. I have a feeling that they're a bit they wanted to keep Raikkonen and don't have control of the Giovinazzi seat. And I think they've now got the money to keep Raikkonen because I think they could have been up until the Alfa Romeo lineup was Alfa Romeo sponsorship was concerned confirmed. I've got a bit of a suspicion that they would have gone with Giovinazzi as the mentor because he's, he's, that's all they could have afforded. It's not a team that's got a lot of cash reserve from history. They very nearly um, were off the grid in 2016. And they, the fact that they're still on the grid is at the expense of Manor because if they had been in 11th in the 2016 champion, Constructors' Championship, I doubt they would still be here on this grid, actually, um, as a team. And I think it seems to me a bit like... I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a very prudent lineup at all. They're both technically minded drivers, but do you think? I don't think they they're in. A, they're needed. Do you think a salary driver? Do you think it was linked to Alfa Romeo that Alfa Romeo yeah, wanted I, him there to re- renew their sponsorship, which is why he's I there. Do. I don't know. I think an Italian. And then driver they can have adverts with him driving around in Monaco in a Giulia or whatever. Uh yeah well yeah I think I think it. <laughs> Oh, look at me! I can you reckon drive Stelvio? It's it's yeah, basically yeah. that. It's um, they've got an Italian driver in the car and a world champion in the other one. That's a good marketing lineup for them. Schumacher and Raikkonen's like a lot stronger than that. Yeah, like doesn't mm, make any think. sense. The mm. PR of that. Uh, did, I was hearing I think in September that Giovinazzi was staying on from the Italian media, and I was really surprised when. I, saw that and heard that uh, so well, it turns out it's true and I don't know did you guys think that Giovinazzi deserves to be on the grid mm, probably he's had, he's had a good run of it he deserved to be given a go in Formula 1 his junior career was brilliant um, and his GP2 uh, season was only season was fantastic and I think what kind of harmed him was two years out of it I think if he'd, if he'd gone up straight away with the progression, I think he could have done really well. I feel like he's, he, he earned the chance. He really earned the chance and he waited for his chance and got it. And he's, he's, he's definitely improved this year than he was last year. But the curve, the gradient hasn't been enough, in my opinion. I think there's not, there's not been kind of any, there's not been many races or any that kind of stand out as, oh, yeah. Giovinazzi was really good that weekend. Um, and, you know, like, you know, I, I agree, you know, it's good that he was given a chance and I do think he, he earned that and deserved that. But, mm. you know, I, I, I don't really think he does deserve to be on the grid just based off, you know, he's not, he's not like, you know, he's a really good, consistent driver. But equally, it's not like, you know, he has really massive highs that kind of outweigh the, the rest of the lows. What do you think, Roger? I'd have to agree. Uh, I'm, I'm usually sometimes a bit reluctant about putting new blood or new young drivers into the team. But in this scenario, you've got a youngish driver who's not able to beat someone who's in their 40s. I do think taking on the F2 championship leader <laughs> is, is, the right, is, the, is the thing to do. So I'm I'm very surprised that it hasn't happened, and I'm even more surprised if, like I said before, if Mick, if Mick Schumacher decided to, if he had if he had the choice, if Mick Schumacher didn't want to go to Alfa Romeo. So I think Giovinazzi is a bit fortunate to have another season next year, where he has to deliver, and yeah, and he, and yeah, he's got to take his chance because I, I think many drivers who 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 were put in who yeah who would perform like him like I can't speak many drivers who would have performed like Giovinazzi Giovinazzi this year would have been kicked out of F1 yeah yeah he's got a chance that not many have I think just yeah. the, my other thought on this <laughs> yeah. is like if if I was someone either involved in the team or looking to get involved in the team I kind of think 
why you know what what are they you're either getting involved in a team that's running around at the back of the pack most weekends and Happy getting be, yeah. the yeah the the odd point here and there you know and so you're either kind of getting involved in that just for the sake of being in F1 or you know if you're getting involved in Williams you're thinking well they've had a new investment they've got a star of the future in the seat you know they they could be going places um you know if has you know you know there's stuff to get excited about there obviously Mick Schumacher coming in and the way they've kind of you know tried to take a bit of a different approach to to being an F1 team yeah. Aston Martin are coming in you know you've it's excitement at that team but you know if I was thinking of you know getting involved with Alfa Romeo as a sponsor or you know a, a chief engineer or something like that I'd kind of be looking and thinking you know what's their ambition or is is this it is this what they're happy with at the moment they don't have a USP really do they apart from the fact mm-hmm. that they haven't Kimmy. done what everyone would do yeah yeah it's the wrong time for continuity yeah a lot of teams are lining up line up driver lineups <laughs> they're lining up lineups for 2021 going into 2022 signs is on a two-year contract i think ricardo's on a two-year contract alonso is as well and i would imagine um that if they sign hamilton again it'll be on a couple of years contract i mean yeah they deserve to be but alfa romeo alfa romeo yeah um they are these, this is the time for continuity is going into a, a regulation change I, and agree. Yeah. I think going into it with two drivers who aren't entirely convincing for their future Kimi because he's ancient now in Formula One terms and Giovinazzi because you're kind of expecting him to be sacked next year and that means that what we've got is for the Alpha in 2022 is the situation we've got with Haas now which is what is looking to be two inexperienced drivers coming in without the technical mindset to be able to develop the car and bring bring information forward when they're simulating uh, the 2022 car, which Absolutely. you would, which you, you yes you can get with Raikkonen and Giovinazzi as two technically they're very technically minded drivers. Raikkonen has has been earmarked throughout his career in F1 being very very good um, uh, and succinct with his technical knowledge of the car and what happens and linking it back when he gets back to the garage. Um, Giovinazzi has spent so much time as a simulated driver for Ferrari. He knows how, and he he's been credited with setup changes overnight that have given them pole positions and wins. So, in 2018 and uh, latter half of 17. So, these guys are technically minded drivers, and they can probably help with the 2022 development of the car. But you'd need to keep them on for 2022. And I just don't think they're two drivers who would be in a position to stay on for 2022. And it just feels really strange. That's an excellent point. I think I made that point with why Mercedes should have taken George Russell just to yeah, give him the year in rather yeah. than if rather than coming in when there's a re- when there's new regulations because mm-hmm. I think next year unless a driver is doing you know awful compared to a teammate like Albon for example mm. the te- a team should continue with the two drivers they had. So yeah, I think that's a great point for it. Yeah, great point, Freddie. <laughs> Just on on that with Haas, they need to bring in a, or they should be looking to bring in a better test driver. Because at the moment they've got De La Traz and Pietro Fittipaldi, which you know I'd, 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 I'd be looking. Be I think I'd be looking to bring in a, yeah, better better reserve driver. Maybe Hulk. Well, yeah, that's the question. We've got Sergio Perez is out of contract. Nico Hulkenberg has been obviously chipping at the sidelines a lot this year and he's he's not being really likely to get into one of these back of the grid seats it seems to be a, a way up between Hulkenberg and Perez for Albon's seat and Sonoda is apparently looking um, all but confirmed for uh, Alpha Tauri he's got a test coming off at Imola in the Alpha Tauri next week um, so there's still a few questions and we were talking earlier about the talent on this grid and the fact that we've got such talented drivers avoiding being, av- being left out is, it's a worry, but I mean, there's, there's still other talented drivers there to pick up the pieces. Max Verstappen has apparently said, this is a rumor I heard. I don't know whether it comes from a, a leak or whether it just comes from a um, speculation, but 
Max Verstappen apparently wants Hulkenberg rather than Perez because I think he thinks Perez is actually really quite good. <laughs> I mean, that would be a reason to hire Perez, I think. I think so too. And I think, yeah, that's the best direction for this driver market to take is for some of the decisions that appear it's silly season, they appear to be silly decisions. But <laughs> some of the decisions could be saved in terms of 2020 looking a bit better for everyone's credibility if Perez gets the seat at Red Bull, in my opinion. All right, that, that wraps it up for us then. Um, pretty decent race. Hamilton's now won at 29 different racetracks. Uh, Nigel, that's what you said, wasn't it? 29? Yes, 29 is also won 72 races with Mercedes, just like Michael Schumacher won 72 with Ferrari. Oh, so he's not going to win anymore. Um, that's the 93rd victory for Lewis Hamilton. And yeah, no stopping him. He can win the title. Uh, next time out in Turkey, we've got, a, we've got a midweek podcast, mid-race podcast coming out next week. And then we'll have our preview episode for the return to Istanbul Park for Formula One. One I did not see coming, actually. This is the one that surprised me the most this year. Um, anyway, you can check us out on our personal Twitters and on our account Twitter page, account Twitter page for the podcast. So at Winging It F1, I'm at Fred Coates1999. Nigel is at Nigel C. Journo, and Adam is at Adam Dickinson01. You will be able to see us tweet articles we write, um, opinions we have, and give us a little bit of an ego boost. So that's the most important part. And any, yeah, anyway, you'll be able to catch us back here on your podcast provider, be it YouTube, be it Spotify, be it Acast, be it whatever you want. And anyway, thanks very much for listening and watching. Have a good time. Cheers. Bye. Bye.